How is everybody? That was lame, man. You guys are usually a lot more energetic than that at the 11. Uh, that's okay. So if you're new to the church, um, summers are a little bit different here. Uh, we typically at the church do whole series uh, where we're going through whole books of the Bible, right? We did about nine and a half, ten months roughly on the book of Acts. It took us quite a while and uh, worked our way through that. And um, in the fall, we're going to start the book of Revelation, which will be fun. Yeah, we're going to argue and fight and, you know, it's going to be wonderful, right? How dare you be post-tribulation and, you know, yeah, it's going to be crazy. So uh, anyways, that'll be fun. We'll start that in a couple of weeks. And um, what we're going to do in the meantime, last week, if you weren't here, I taught a lesson on kind of the five fundamental things that we need to do to get closer to God. We talked about last week that this life is a marathon, right? The Bible says that multiple times. This life is a marathon. And if we're going to run this race, if we're going to complete this race, there are some very simple things that we need to do. We talked about going to church, Praying, reading the Word of God, getting into a community, and giving back. Those are the five things that we have to do to get closer to God and basically to make it, to weather this life, right? We've got to do those things. One of those things, the second one that we talked about last week was prayer. Now, what I'm going to do this week and next week is I'm going to pull that kind of, that, that part of those fundamentals out, and we're going to break down prayer for two weeks. Now, it's going to be extremely simple, and it's going to be a little uncomfortable, because we're going to pray in church, right? It's going to be freaky, right? We're going to hear each other pray. We're going to pray for each other. It's just going to be super weird, but we're going to do it for two weeks. Now, we are building up to a prayer event that is going to happen in August. And so I always tell you guys to have the app, the church app, and if you don't have that, you should get it. But if you have the church app, if you open it anytime today or in the next couple of weeks, um, Phil has actually put together a prayer schedule in the app. So you can click on that big prayer button, and there's actually kind of a, a way for you to follow along, and it has different ways for us to pray, and it just kind of gives you some ideas on how to pray as we move forward, okay? Another thing, there's a piece of art over here that says Reckless Love, and it's got a big heart on it. That is meant to stick prayer requests in and to take prayer requests off that wall. I want to encourage you to get in the habit of doing that. If you have a prayer request, write it down on a piece of paper. It's sitting over there. Roll it up. Stick it in one of the little holes in that thing. And if you just want to pray for some people, grab one of those once a week and pray for it. Get in the habit of, uh, the habit of using that, okay? So here's what we're going to do today. Like I said, it's going to be extremely simple. Today, we're just going to focus on how we can pray more effectively. We're going to be very practical and we're going to be very straightforward and there is this thing, I think most of you should have gotten it when you walked in the door. There's a half piece of paper where it has kind of a prayer outline on it. Now, you don't have to fill that in while I'm teaching today. I always hated filling the blanks because I feel like I, I lose sight of who, who's speaking and I'm just worried about filling in the blanks. But you don't have to fill that out here. That's homework. And what I want you to do with that is for the next two weeks, you need to try this for two weeks. Fill that thing out, every single blank, fill it out. And there's some instructions on the top. You're to pray it out loud and to do it every single day. Do that for a couple, of, a couple of weeks and see if that doesn't dramatically change your life. But here's what we're gonna do because a lot of people either don't know how to pray, they're very uncomfortable, or, or many of us have just been apathetic towards prayer. So we're gonna focus on it. And I'm gonna hopefully model today, this is gonna work, get, get, get weird, um, I'm gonna hope to model to you today ways and how to pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. 
But here's what we're going to do today. So there's four different kind of blocks on that piece of paper you have. Today, we're going to go out of order. We're going to talk about block number one, which is praising God. I believe the first thing we should do when we pray is praise God, put Him first. But we're going to skip number two, and then we're going to pray for other people today. So this weekend, it's not about you. It's about God, and it's about others. Next week, it's going to be all about you. It's going to be about your sin, (laughs) and it's going to be about all the things you need, right? Next week will be about you. This week, it's not. It's about God, and it's about other people. And we're going to walk through for the next two weeks how to pray, and how to pray more effectively, and how to get more comfortable in our prayer life, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. And, and, And if you will do it, I guarantee you it will change your life. A prayer life will change your life, okay? So I'm going to pray, and we will move forward with this lesson, and it's a, a shorter lesson. You're not used to that either, right? It's a shorter lesson, and hopefully that will give us a little bit of time at the end to pray, to, pray together. We'll have people at the front if you need prayer for anything, and of course, we will have communion all the way around you if you want to take communion, all right? So let's pray. Let's jump into this today, and um, we'll see where the Lord takes us, Okay. Father, we love you. God, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you, God, for for all the blessings in our life, Lord. We thank you that we can come into this room today, that we have the freedom in this nation to speak of you freely, God, and and, and to worship and to praise however we feel like uh, praising you, Lord. God, we pray, God, that you keep uh, your hand on all the churches in our community. We pray that you keep your hand on all the nonprofits in our community. We pray, God, that you keep your hand on us today. Open up our eyes, open up our ears. Lord, let us have a better relationship with you, God. Lord, let us talk to you more. Lord, let us converse with you more. Lord, let us listen to you more. I pray, God, that after today, Lord, that our prayer lives will become better, stronger, and more effective, Lord. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. So a lot of people ask, why do we pray, right? What in the heck is the purpose of praying if we're talking to a God that already sees everything, knows everything, knows everything about us? What's the point? There was a guy in the 16th century named John Calvin, and John Calvin hit this question right on the head. He nailed it. This is what he said. He said, believers don't pray with the view of informing God, exciting him to duty, or urging him as if he were reluctant. On the contrary, Christians pray in order to arouse themselves to seek Him, to exercise their faith, and to relieve their anxiety by pouring into Him. They declare from God alone that they expect hope, that they uh, expect hope for good things. So we don't pray because God needs it. We pray because we need it. It increases our faith, it strengthens us, it takes away our fear and anxiety because we're not depending on us, we're depending on God where all good and perfect things come from according to the Holy Bible. So this is why we pray. We're not letting God in on something he doesn't already know, right? Hey God, did you know this? Yes, I'm God, right? Like he knows those things. So this is directly from last week's lesson, but I think it's good to go over it again. We talked about why the Christian should pray. The first reason why we should pray is we are in a relationship with God. God does not need us for anything. God wants us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to hear about your family. He wants to hear about your day. 
He wants you to cast your cares on him. You are in a relationship with him. The Bible says we are the bride of Christ. He is our heavenly father. There is this deep relationship component to our walk with God. Prayer is also our time to confess. Talked about this last week, didn't we? That God, when we confess to to God, our heavenly father, God doesn't browbeat us and condemn us. How do we know that? The Bible says that Jesus didn't come to bring condemnation. He came to free us from condemnation. So when we confess our faults to God, God doesn't kick us in the face. He holds us. Thank you. Thank you for confessing that. Thank you for repenting. Let's walk together. Let me help you. That's what God does for us. It connects us with our Father. Prayer also humbles us. It humbles us because when we acknowledge that God is perfect and good and that we need Him, it reminds us that we're not the ones in control. Guys, that's where a lot of us struggle. We want to be in control. I'm one of them. I'm a control freak, right? I want to, I want to be in control. I want to know that I have some say-so and that I can control where I'm going. And God says, Corey, you're not in control. I'm sovereign. You're not, right? And so prayer reminds us. It humbles us. Prayer is also how we ask God for help. This is where we all do very well, right? <laughs> we always approach God with the things we need. And we should approach God with the things we need. There are other things I think we need to do first, and that's why I'm teaching these lessons, but we do need to go to God for our needs. This is where we ask God for help in prayer. Prayer is also so we can intercede for others. That's a very churchy word. All that means, though, is that when we pray, we are to pray for people that don't know Jesus. We're to pray for the sick. We're to pray for the lost. We're to pray for those that may be adamantly against the faith. And hopefully we can bridge the gap between God and non-believers. We can intercede. We can intercede for the sick. We can step in and we can pray for other people. Praying also allows us to learn God's will. The more time we spend with God, the more we learn the ways of God and we learn God's will for our life. And when we pray in the will of God, that's when things happen. It says, whatever you pray for in my name, whatever you pray for in the will of God, those are the answers that we get. Those are the things that we hear from God. We also need to know when we pray. One of the reasons why we pray is we are insufficient. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians one twenty-five that he is wiser than us, that the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. Now, that doesn't mean that anything God does is foolish. He doesn't do anything foolish. God is perfect. What that scripture means is we sometimes as people look at the teachings of the Bible and we say, that is crazy. That doesn't work. That's foolishness. Let me give you an example. Human sex and sexuality, right? We don't do it the way the Bible tells us to do it. We do it however we want to do it, right? There are no boundaries to sex. There's no boundaries to sexuality. And so because of that, we have STDs that are out of control. We have unwanted pregnancies and abortions that are out of control, We have divorce, we have infidelity, we have all these awful things that have happened because we have gotten out of the design of sex and sexuality that the Bible has for us. A couple of years ago, I think it was 2012, the U.S. government did a study on sexual practices, and of course it didn't say one man, one woman for life, but it said that if people will only have sex with one partner for life, that within two generations, there would be no such thing as sexually transmitted diseases. Interesting. The ways of the Bible work. What humans look at and say, that's crazy. If we were to apply these teachings, they would dramatically change humanity. 
Now, what that should do for us is that should build trust in us. That when we see the practical principles of the Bible working, that should build our faith, that should build our trust in God. So we need to humble ourselves and know that God's ways are better than our ways. And that comes through prayer. Prayer also builds us up. Like I said earlier, God doesn't need anything from us. He is perfect without us. And so when we pray, it's not for God, it's for us. Talking to Jesus brings us closer to God and our prayers become more effective because we're praying in the will of God. And a byproduct of our prayer life is not only that we get closer to God, we will start getting closer to other people. The closer we get to God, the more we're going to fall in love with humanity. It's interesting. You ever hear people say, I love God, but I just don't like people? Well, the Bible addresses, I've said that, right? The Bible addresses that. God says, how can you love a God that you can't see? When you, when you uh, I'm sorry, how can you love a people that you can see when, um, never mind, I'm blowing it, sorry. You guys are like, yep, time to find another church, right? Anyways, got tongue-tied there. And of course, this is the one that's recorded and goes out, right? So anyways, so on your little list, Hey, remember that time we went to the church where the guy didn't know the Bible? Anyways, on your list, and your first block is praise. I believe that when we pray, we should start off all our prayers with acknowledging God, the goodness of God. Now, there is a difference between thanking God and praising God. During times of prayer, we need to give thanks. We need to tell God thank you a lot, right? We have not earned anything. And so it's good to thank God for the things that he's done. And when we thank God, that shows our attitude towards the things that he has given us. Praise is a little bit different. Praise is not thanking God for what he's done. Praise is acknowledging who God is. It's different. We thank God for what he's done. We praise God for why he did it. God is good. And we praise you, God, because you're good. We praise God because he's the creator. He's the architect. He's the alpha, the omega. As that song said, he is the great I am. He is everything. That's why we praise him. So what happens in our prayer life is when we put Jesus first, again, it actually benefits us. We live in probably the most selfish, consumeristic culture that we've ever lived in, not just in society and in church as well. Churches have become so selfish. We have bred Christians that are so entitled, right? People leave the church when it's like, oh, it's 73 degrees in here. It's time to find another church, right? Time to get out of here. The sanctuary is too warm, or I had to walk like 1 20th of a mile. And you know, it's like people just like freak out over the smallest things. It's a very me first culture that we've created. Now, when we realize, though, that we are helpless without God, we're humbled. And when we realize that we can't do it, when we realize that he has to come first, that drives out our fear, that drives out our anxiety, and it replaces it with hope and with confidence. When we put our problems into a perfect God's hands, it takes them out of our imperfect hands. And so there's less fear there's less anxiety because God has it. 
God has it under control. So what happens when we praise God first when we pray? Is it aligns our mind? It aligns our heart? It focuses us? When we remember and acknowledge the greatness of God, it prepares us to live out our faith? I think we need to remember. Guys, I think a lot of us have forgotten. We have forgotten that God is the creator, that he's all-powerful. Do you ever really sit and ponder that? You know, it's amazing. We go nuts at sporting events, right? I love those people who go nuts at sporting events, but they're like, I think it's really disrespectful to raise your hands in church. But you'll do it at a football game, right? But you'll do it at a concert? Now, I don't know if you guys know this. People on the football field have not saved your soul. They didn't create the heavens and the earth. God did. Nothing against football, right? It's cool to get excited at games and stuff. Man, when the Patriots beat the Falcons a couple of years ago, amazing, right? It was jumping all over the house. It was fantastic. But, but those guys didn't save my soul. They didn't die on a cross for me. They didn't give their only son for my salvation. So man, when I get into the church, that's when I get emotional. I will not lift my hands to anyone except for Jesus Christ anybody at a concert, at a football game, nothing. I'm not going to do it. There's one person that I will lift my hands for in adoration, and that is God. And though praise is a command in the Bible, when we have been saved by grace through faith, praise should be a natural byproduct of the Christian. It shouldn't be uncomfortable for us to worship God. Well, people are going to look at you. Who cares? Man, lift your hands and tell God how good he is sometimes right? Man, heck, if you want to get on your knees in this place or lay down on the floor, I don't care. We should sometimes be awestruck by God. That's where the word awesome comes from. We should be awestruck by our creator, our savior, the one that spoke all this into existence. Here's why we put Jesus first when we pray. This is why we praise God. Jesus said, Anyone finding his life will lose it. It's interesting because in our culture, we think we have to cut line. We have to get ahead. I have to be the first there. I have to do this. I have to get what's mine. And Jesus said, the people that do that are going to lose their life. But Jesus said, if you will lose your life because of me, you'll actually find it. All of us in this room are inclined to put ourselves first all of us have the inclination to be selfish, all of us. But it's only when we put God first that we truly understand what living is. Let's, let's think about our prayer life. How many of us in this room, the first thing we talk about when we go to prayer, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. No, 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 that's the wrong order. God comes first. Praise him, put him first. And when we put God first, it actually blesses us. So on your list... We did number one, praise and thanks. Now, when you get home tonight, I want you to fill all those out. Number two is repentance, right? You can fill that out too. But we're going to skip that one and we're going to go to number three, praying for other people. Now, when we pray for other people, this is typically how we do it. And there is nothing wrong with this. We typically say, Jesus, please give so-and-so this job. Please give so-and-so some reliable transportation. God, please heal this person because they're sick. Lord, please bless this person's marriage because they're, they're having a hard time right now. Lord, please keep this person safe as they travel or, or they go on this mission trip, whatever it is. 
These prayers are good. Nothing wrong with these prayers. The Bible says in Philippians and in 1 John that we need to pray for everything. Now, guys, I'm going to get on a soapbox here in a second. So just buckle your seatbelts for a minute. So here's the thing. The Bible says pray for everything because multiple times it says when we depend on God for everything, it relieves us of our anxiety. Now, I want to hang on that word anxiety for a second, and this is where you guys are going to get really, really offended by me, and oh, Corey, you just don't understand mental illness and all these things, and I'm going to get hateful emails for this, but guys, I just want to speak truth to you. Why? Because the truth liberates you. So I'm just going to throw out some truth here in a second, all right? So according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, sounds like a fun group to be a part of, right? 18... (laughs) 18%, listen, 18%, that is 50 million adults in the United States are on prescription medication for anxiety and depression. Now, there's a range of reasons for that. This isn't even including teenagers, guys. We'd be up in the hundred millions, one third of the population if you included teenagers. So about 50 million adults in the United States are on heavy medication for anxiety and depression. Now, I know that there's a lot of ranges for this, for a lot of, a lot of reasons and a wide range of why people are on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. I understand that. I know that some people genuinely have a genetic issue or a chemical imbalance. I get that. I'm not against medicine. My wife was a chemist. I, I, I'm not against it. I do know this from my experience pastoring close to 4,000 people. Whenever people come into my office and they talk about fear, anxiety, and depression, and they're on heavy medication, the first thing I say is, did they do blood work on you? No. Did they do a psychiatric evaluation? No, I just went and told my doctor that I was sad, and he gave me this. Guys, it's the truth. They don't do any kind of evaluations. And so I typically ask Christians, have you prayed about it? You know what? I had a a young man come to me one time. This is a true story. I won't tell you his name. A young man come to me whose mother had died, his mother. And he said, man, I was just, you know, I, I went to the doctor because I was just struggling with the sadness and they gave me, you know, however many milligrams of this antidepressant. And I'm like, dude, you don't need an antidepressant. Your mom just died. You need a Christian community to walk with you. You need the Lord to be your strong tower during this time. You don't need medication for that. People get sad when loved ones die. This is normal. Now here's the truth I'm gonna throw out at you. I dare say that the majority of people who are on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicine don't need more medication. They need good Christian counseling and they need to talk to Jesus more. You can call me a jerk for that. I don't care. Multiple times in the Bible, it says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. It says, don't be anxious for anything. It says that we are to rely on him to take away. It says that perfect love casts out fear. When we get into the book of Revelation, I will show you where the book of Revelation talks about pharmaceutical medication and how we will one day be a culture that is more dependent on that than we are on the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. We are a people that are crippled, paralyzed by fear, anxiety, and depression. And here's where I'm going to end my soapbox. Too few Christians go to Jesus with their problems and they go to a pill instead. I didn't get any applause from the last two services or three services either. It's fine. I know that that offends some of you. Corey, you just don't know mental illness. No, but I do know the Holy Spirit pretty well. And I know that the Bible says that our minds are renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Am I against doctors? Heck no. We just talked in the book of Acts. Luke that wrote the book was a doctor. 
I'm not against doctors. But maybe Jesus should be our first person that we go to. Maybe that should be the first one, right? Awesome. Okay. We'll switch gears because I'm just, the soapbox is now moved. So we typically pray for things kind of on this surface level. In the Bible, when Jesus prayed, he went a little bit deeper. When Jesus prayed for people, he prayed for their faith. When Jesus prayed, he prayed against temptation in the Lord's Prayer, right? He prayed for the unity of the saints. Jesus prayed for the sanctification of Christians, which means Jesus prayed that Christians would be set apart so God can use them. Jesus prayed for the lost to be saved. Jesus prayed for endurance for Christians. He prayed that we'd be grounded in love, and he prayed that we'd be filled with the Spirit. When Jesus prayed, he prayed according to God's will. That's why Jesus' prayers were effective, because he prayed what the Father already wanted for people. That's what Jesus prayed. Now, what kind of people should we be praying for? Who should we pray for? Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.1, I urge that prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everybody. Now, who's everybody, right? That's, that's a big statement. The Bible says we're to pray for our family and we're to pray for our friends. The Bible says we're to pray for the unsaved. When's the last time you got on your face and just prayed for people that didn't know Jesus? Do you know that is the most important thing you can possibly pray for? greater than all other needs that we have. This is heaven and hell in the balance. My sister in Chicago prayed for me for 10 years before I became a Christian. My sister used to get on her face at her house in Chicago and she would lay down and weep and say, God, do whatever you have to do to save my brother. Do whatever. Listen, maybe if my sister wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have come to the Lord. And if I wouldn't have come to the Lord, you wouldn't be sitting in that seat right now. Not that I brought you to the Lord, but look at what happens when we pray for other people. Look at the ripple effect. We're to pray for other Christians. When's the last time you prayed for other churches, other pastors, maybe even pastors that hurt you? When's the last time you prayed for other saints? We're to pray for the government. I let the cat out of the bag a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago. I did not vote for the last two presidents, but I prayed for the last two presidents. I prayed for their spouses. I prayed for their kids. I prayed that God gives them wisdom. I get a kick out of people with politics. They're like, man, boy, I hope Barack Obama just crashes and burns. Man, I hope Donald Trump crashes and burns. And I'm like, you guys know we're all on the same ship, right? <laughs> I don't want them to crash and burn. I want everything to be okay. So I pray, God, I may not always like person X, but I pray that you touch their heart and give them wisdom and protect them, right? God, I pray, Lord, that, that you help. You know, Donald Trump and Barack Obama were the two most powerful men in the world in their time. And so there's tremendous influence. We need to pray for God's wisdom for them. We need to pray for their protection. Well, I don't like them, Corey. Well, then we'll go down to the bottom where God says, pray for your enemies. So there you go. You're, you're screwed either way, right? You have to pray for the government. I shouldn't have said that. That's one of those things when I get home, my wife's like, Corey, why'd you say that? <laughs> Anyways, you need to pray for ministers. We need your prayers. I'm not saying that for any selfish reason. Like, I need your prayers. People ask all the time, what can I pray for you? Pray for wisdom. I need wisdom. Pray that God gives me wisdom. We need to pray for the persecuted church. Do you know right now, 
In other parts of the world, people are being nailed to crosses as we speak, beheaded as we speak. There is extreme persecution. Next time you're in this town and you go get a euro, yes, that's how you say it, euro. When you go to a Greek restaurant and you get a euro, look at the hands of the man that is making your euro at most places in this town. Typically, you'll see a little tattoo right there or right there. That means they're a Coptic Christian and they're from Egypt. They're not here to encroach on your economy. They're not here to steal your jobs. They're not here to manipulate the system. Those Egyptians are in Middle Tennessee because in Egypt, they are hanging Coptic Christians and nailing them to crosses. And so a lot of the the different Euro places you will go to in town, you'll see a picture of Mary somewhere in there. And if you look real hard at their hands, they'll see a little fainted tattoo right there and right there. It means they're a Coptic Christian. And those people are here because in their hometown, they're being slaughtered. Women and children and men are being viciously killed by radical uh, Muslims in those areas. That's happening right now as we speak. When's the last time you prayed for your enemies? The people who have hurt you, the people who have abused you, the people who have made fun of your faith. You know what we tend to do? We forget. We think that all people should act like Jesus, but if people aren't Christians, they don't know how to act like Jesus. And we need to pray for them. We need to pray that God touches their heart. I remember when the mosque was being built here in town. And instead of praying that Jesus Christ would, would reveal himself to Muslims, we threw pig carcasses on their lawn. That's a good way to represent Christ, isn't it? You know we fight not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual darkness. That's what we do. So we don't pick up guns and shoot the devil like Arnold Schwarzenegger in End of Days, right? That doesn't work. We pray. We pray for people. If people didn't pray... Guys like Paul wouldn't have been saved and they wouldn't have written 70% of the New Testament. Anyways, moving on. So the Bible says we are to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. It is praying for other people. It is by reaching out. It is by loving that we fulfill the law of Christ. To be a follower of Jesus, and you guys may not like this statement, but if we are to be the salt and light of the world, is what Jesus calls us in Matthew 5, To be a follower of Christ means you and I need to start taking responsibility and ownership for the state of humanity. Corey, people are awful, okay? What are you gonna do about it? Man, there is so much racism and hatred and frustration. Who are you praying for? What are you gonna do about it? Whose name are you gonna lift up and bring before Jesus Christ? How are we gonna get on our faces and let God fight this battle for us? Are we gonna depend on him to do something in the hearts and lives of people around us. All right, here's where we get uncomfortable. I'm gonna ask a couple of questions and then we're gonna pray together. The first one is this. Have you and I taken the blessings in our life for granted? Go to a third world country sometime and then I want you to come back to the United States and I want you to complain about something. I'm serious. People that hate the country we live in and talk about how bad it is, go watch three and four-year-old kids walk around a village digging through the dumpster for food. Watch kids play soccer with something that's made out of a bunch of trash, barefoot, running through all kinds of goat waste and cow waste and human waste. Watch that and then come back to the United States and tell us how awful we have it. We are blessed We are sitting in an air-conditioned, you're sitting on a padded seat, and you can say whatever the heck you want to say in this room and out there, 
we are blessed. I think we take it for granted, all of us. And that's fine. In a culture like this where we're always wanting more, I want to ask you right now, what are you thankful for? Don't think about the things you don't have. What do you have that you're thankful for right this second? If you can't think of anything, the air in your lungs and the blood in your veins, you didn't even earn the right to have those things. God has blessed us, and we need to be thankful for the things that God has done for us. When is the last time when you went into prayer and instead of asking anything for yourself, when is the last time you went into prayer and just said, God, you're good? God, you are the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. You are the, you are the creator of all things. God, that sun that I can feel the heat off of, you spoke that into existence. The stars that I see at night, God, you put those in the sky. The soil that I touch, Lord, you made humanity out of the soil. When is the last time you just thanked God for who he is, when you praised God for who he is? When's the last time you did that? And when's the last time you thanked him for what he's done for you? The Bible says that even when we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Even when God knew you were going to look at porn, God knew you were going to cheat on your husband, God knew that you were going to lie on your tax return, God knew that you were going to steal, and he still sent his only son to die on the cross. When's the last time you hit your knees and just said, thank you, thank you? Now, who are we praying for? Do you pray for your family and friends? I mean, seriously, do you call out their names to God? God, keep your hand on my uncle. Keep your hand on my aunt. Keep your hand on my sister and my mom and my dad. Keep your hand on my kids. Men in this room, listen to me carefully if you're a man in this room. You need to pray with your kids every single night. I mean, you need to go into their room and you need to model for them what it looks like to pray. And if you're a single mom in here, you need to do it. There needs to be more men. Again, guys, we're all about like hooping and hollering when it comes to some sporting event or some car we drive or some kind of selfish thing like that. We need to set the model for our children that God comes first and that prayer is important. Let me tell you the greatest thing I have ever done for my kids, and I'm not just saying this to to brag on me or to brag on my kids, the greatest thing I've ever done, and I work very hard for my kids. My nine-year-old Aya There was a time during the school year where we forgot to pray with them before they went to bed. I forgot to pray with them. I go in both of their rooms and I pray with them every single night before they go to bed. And I'll I'll get in the habit where I'll let them pray so they can kind of do it themselves and get more comfortable praying. But one night I forgot and I'm like in the living room watching, you know, something really spiritual like Twin Peaks or something. I'm watching TV. (laughs) And Aya comes in the living room and she goes, Dad, what the heck? We didn't pray. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm coming in. And by the way, don't say heck right? So (laughs) went into her bedroom, but it made me extremely proud. My nine-year-old has a prayer life. You can teach your kids this. And it was, something was off with her night because she was about to go to bed and she hadn't prayed. Pray with your family. Pray for your family and friends. Pray for lost people. Without embarrassing anyone, I have friends that my wife and I have been friends with. There, there's a, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, there's a gay couple that, that my wife and I have been friends with for about 12 years, and they're both atheists. They do not believe in God. And I love this couple. I love them. 
They have, they have, I remember them holding my nine-year-old when she was a baby. We've gotten coffee together, dinner together. I have been friends with these two for a long time. I deeply love them. And they do not believe. And if there's any travesty in life, it is having a friend that is not a believer. And I lift their names up in prayer and I say their names to God and I say, God, please, 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 please step into their life. Do something, please. And I don't give up on that. Do you do that? Do you lift up the lost? Do you say their name? And do you realize, do you realize how big of a deal that is? This is heaven and hell. This is eternity. Do you pray for the lost? Do you pray for the lost? Do you pray for the persecuted church? But Corey, I've never been to place X. I've never been to Sudan. I've never been to Saudi Arabia. I've never been to Iraq or Iran. I've never been to Egypt. You, you don't have to. One day you're going to see these people in heaven. And we should be praying for them now, for the martyrs and for the ones who are constantly in fear because of their faith. Are we praying for other Christians, for their endurance, for their righteousness? Are we praying for the government? I don't agree, Corey. I don't, you don't have to agree. Daniel didn't agree in the book of Daniel, but he prayed for the people above him. He prayed for the leaders. Are we praying for our enemies? And then the last thing, do we pray in the name of Jesus Christ and do we pray for God's will? Let me tell you something about God's will. It's not always the same as your wants. One time Jesus was on his knees in the garden and he looked up to God and he said, God, if it be your will, let this cup pass. He was talking about the crucifixion. Do you know what happened? The cup didn't pass. Jesus didn't get in that moment what he wanted because it was the Father's will for him to die. But here's what Jesus said. If it's your will, or he says, Father, if it can, let your cup pass. But he said, but Lord, let your will be done. That's what he prayed. And God's will was done. His will is not always the same as our wants. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna, this is gonna sound weird to you guys and it may be uncomfortable for you. I'm gonna model praise and I'm gonna model praying for others in front of you. Now here's what I ask of you. We're gonna have people up here at the front while I'm praying, they will come up. There's gonna be people up at the front that when we get done, you can come up here and get prayer for anything you need. There's communion all the way around you. If you ask God to forgive you of your sins, you're welcome to help yourself to communion all around you where you see lamps on tables. But here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask you to pray with me if you feel comfortable. And if that's distracting for me to be speaking and you to be speaking at the same time, it's okay. Just, just try to push through it. Just try to speak. I want you to get in the habit of speaking your prayers. If you just wanna listen and hear what it sounds like, that's fine too but I want to model for you so you can go home, fill out that sheet, and you can get in the habit of praying out loud, praising God and praying for others, okay? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we just wanna praise you right now, God. Lord, we wanna lift you up, God, and we, wanna, we, we just wanna say and we just wanna declare and proclaim, God, that you are the alpha, the omega, Lord. You are the beginning, you are the end. Lord, you know all. You see all, God. You know everything about us. Lord, we praise you because you're a good father, because you see our faults, you see our mistakes, but Lord, you love us anyways. You wanna give us the best, God. 
Lord, we praise you because you're the creator, because you are the one that spoke the stars into the sky. God, you're the one that's going to come back and you're going to save his children, Lord, and bring them to paradise with you, Lord. You're good, God. You're holy. You're perfect in every way. God, we praise you because we can come to you and we can ask for things and your word says that you will give us good things. Father, right now, God, we want to lift up our family. Lord, I pray that you touch my sister up in Chicago. I pray that you touch my mother in St. Louis. I pray that you touch my father that hasn't spoken to me in many, many years. God, I pray, Lord, that you touch our extended family. I pray that you touch my wife and my girls, God. Lord, we pray for our friends, Lord. We pray blessings over our friends. We pray that their faith is strong and that they come to know you, Lord, on a more intimate level. God, we pray for the lost. Lord, you know the couple that I'm talking about, Lord, and I pray that you touch them, God. I pray, Lord, that you reveal yourself to them. I pray that you be merciful, Lord, but you do whatever you have to do to reach the lost people in our lives, God. Lord, we pray that they give their life to you, that they're saved. Lord, we pray for the persecuted church. We pray for people in Egypt, God, the Coptic Christians. We pray for the believers in North Korea and in China and in Russia and in Saudi Arabia and in Iraq and Iran. We pray for all the different uh, countries in Africa, Lord where radical Islam persecutes and burns down villages, God, protect the brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we pray that not only you keep them safe, God, but even greater than that, Lord, let them hold on to their faith, Lord. Don't let them relent. Bless the persecuted church, God. Father, we pray for other Christians. Father, we pray for Pastor Alan Jackson over at World Outreach, God. He's got a huge congregation, Lord. Give him wisdom. Bless him, God. Lord, we pray that you keep your hand on Pastor Brady Cooper over at New Vision. God, that you bless him and his two sons and his wife. And Lord, strengthen him and encourage him and bless that church. God, we pray for Dr. David Young over at North Boulevard. God, my mentor. Lord, we pray that you bless his kids and his wife and bless that church, Lord, and continue to, to let them just move forward and advance your kingdom. God, there's so many churches in this city and in this county, Lord. We pray for them, Lord. We pray for Pastor Pat over at Life Point in Smyrna, who's got a big congregation. Lord, bless him and protect him and keep him safe, God. Father, we pray for our government. Lord, we pray for President Trump right now, God. Even if we don't agree with everything, or maybe we do agree, God, whatever our political standing is, we pray protection over him, God. Pray for his wife and his kids, Lord. I pray that you give him wisdom as he runs this nation. Lord, let him be a righteous man, God. Lord, I pray that, that you temper his tongue, Lord, and that you just, God, that you just direct him and lead him in everything he does, God. Lord, we pray for Mayor Shane McFarland in our town. We pray for all of our elected officials, God. We pray for our, our police officers and sheriff's department our firefighters, our first responders, God. Thank you, Lord, for the government and our local community, Lord, that, that, that protects us and keeps the law. Father, we pray for our enemies. Those of us in this room who've been abused, we've been gossiped about or lied about or hurt. Lord, we lift up the people that have done those things to us, not so you'll punish them, 
but Lord, so they can repent and they can come to a relationship with you. Lord Jesus, God, we pray for all these things in your name. And we pray that your will be done. Listen, as your heads are still bowed and your eyes are still closed, I was just modeling that for you. Everyone in this room, you have to get in the habit of doing that yourself. You have to learn to do that. You have to learn and get comfortable speaking to the Lord. As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Guys, I want to tell you, it will change your life. It will change your children's life. It will change your marriage. It will change your neighborhood. You will see people come to the Lord that you never thought would come to the Lord. Like a punk kid who used to do cocaine and travel all over the country playing punk rock music. People like that may even become a pastor one day. You've got to talk to God. You've got to talk to God. You've got to let him help you. You've got to humble yourself. Listen, there's men and women up here at the front. There's a lot of them today. Please let them pray for you. Humble yourself and come up here and let them lay hands on you. Be honest and vulnerable and share with them. Let them pray with you. What do you have to lose? There's also communion all the way around you. Listen, we're in no hurry. Ask God to forgive you. Go get your communion. Sit down and think about what you're doing. This is the body that was broken for me. This is the blood that was shed for my sins. God loves you, and he's here for you, and he hears you. Jesus, I pray God blessings over everyone in this room. Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Keep them strong in their faith. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't have a relationship with you, Lord, let them come up to the front. And Lord, let them ask questions. And Lord, let them just keep digging. God, strengthen us. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys so much. You're welcome to help yourself.